0: Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes already. This is a Mesh Musings episode where I do a relatively short overview, some might call a few of them rants, on a specific topic related to Data Mesh quick reminder as well to hit the data mesh understanding link in the show notes to easily review listings of past episodes you might have missed you know that i've grouped up on different topics to make it easy if you want to do like a deep dive into governance or something like that do check out the data mesh understanding offerings as well and the free community introduction and roundtable programs while you're there now with that on to the mesh musing <laughs> Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this Mesh Musings episode? I'm calling this uh, the shade episode because this is a an episode about three things that I think are either anti-patterns or are potential patterns that I'm seeing that could be concerning and that we want to... Discuss a little bit more and think about, and that uh, people shouldn't necessarily head down these paths without really weighing the pros and cons. The first that I'm going to go into is why I'm not a big fan of uh, reverse ETL. So I see the need for what reverse ETL is trying to do. It's trying to take data that's been formed into some kind of analysis and push it back into operational systems such as the the CRM or the marketing platform or whatever. I see the need there, but my concern with it revolves around that it's yet another first order concern pipeline and that there's not necessarily a clear owner around what that actually looks like and that that should probably be more of a data product instead of a singular pipeline. Go into a bit of uh, personal story as to uh, when I saw that how this really manifested of just kind of pushing this data into a CRM system uh, without a clear owner and without kind of a clear product mindset around this. Second thing I'll talk about is uh, an emerging concept I'm seeing from some organizations around dog fooding if you're not familiar with the the phrase um, it means kind of you're consuming your own product. So within data mesh, there are a number of teams or a number of organizations that are pushing their domains to only consume analytical information from a data product that is on the data mesh. So I think this has some merits if you align the incentives properly, right? It means that the domain team is automatically in in line with trying to Uh, create a very high-quality data product, but is that data product really going to be made for general consumption across the mesh? Is that going to be that domain sharing their data on the outside in such a way that it is easy for others to consume, or is it basically just a high-quality data silo that has Limited use for other domains, limited interoperability. Is this really the best path to go down? Um, I think my conclusion is maybe. Let's let's think about it. Think about whether this could fit in your organization. The third one is is one that I'm seeing more, and I think this is one where I'm I might actually disagree pretty strongly with uh, JMac about where. She sees the data modeling being handled by generalist software engineers within the domains. Um, I think that there's, if we can get to a place where we can provide very strong abstractions at the data platform level, that makes it so the domains can truly just focus on the data modeling. If we can provide them with additional tools to handle that data modeling and that data testing and things like that, great. But I'm worried about when you think about what domains are focused on in a microservices environment, not in data mesh, they're focused very much on delivering applications. So when you think about a data product developer, Is that a full team? Is that person integrated into the more microservice team? What happens to team size? You know, the whole two pizza team concept, does that go out the window? Where do junior engineers fit? Is this somebody who was a data engineer and is now part of the domain that's kind of bouncing around within that domain, not tied to a specific application, but developing the data product or data products, I'm not clear on where that's going, and that's a concern to me. So hopefully this sounds like an interesting episode to you. If not, totally okay. (laughs) Hopefully we'll catch you on the next one, but if, if it does, I'm really excited to talk about this more, so let's go ahead and jump in. With that bottom line upfront summary done, let's go ahead and jump into today's Mesh Musings. Why do I kind of hate reverse ETL? (laughs) Let's start with a definition of what reverse ETL means in case you're not really aware. It's the concept of taking the output of uh, some analysis, especially from like a data warehouse and pushing that result back into an operational system. So the main example is pushing this back into a Salesforce or a marketing platform. There's some people that use it when talking about pushing this data back into an operational database or or other systems like that. We'll touch on both of those here in, in a second. Um, so the tool manages the ETL. So it's taking the data from that um, analytical system and it's doing you know some ETL and pushing it back into that operational system. Typically, a data engineer is writing some SQL and using some kind of API from the um, operational system that so that it can actually consume that data. You can think of this as like a cycle of data. The data is generated in the operational platform, gets extracted, you know, put through the analysis, and then some information about that is also pushed back into that source system. You know, the concept of pushing data back into operational systems, whether that's Salesforce or an operational database, is useful. Yay, we should be thinking about how we do this and why we wanna do this the more that we can put data that is useful and valuable in front of more people, they can make data informed decisions. Yay, let's figure out how to do this. But where I'm not really bought in on this is that it's another pipeline and that ownership is pretty murky. And if it's owned by the data engineer, are they knowledgeable on the domain or are we gonna have another issue of them losing some context around this, as well as are they gonna be really bought in on observing it and monitoring it and potentially creating additional features that are gonna be useful for that, You know, let's say it's Salesforce or whatever, are they going to be really working with that sales team to be talking about, hey, what data do we need to be putting in here how should I be formatting this? Or are they basically just shoving some data in? This one's pretty personal to me because I saw the results of a of a solution where it wasn't managed very well. What I would say, if you want to look at some option that I think makes a lot of sense, Juanis Rosiers in his episode talked about a data application is his um, concept of a data product that is used specifically for this. So you would actually create a data product that is designed to be on the mesh and then you'd push the results from that data product into your source system. So it's more clearly owned and other domains may want to look at that same data or figure out what is sales or marketing or whatever really interested in and think about how we might evolve that data product or that they might leverage that data in the same way. So personal story, I was at a company, they had a SaaS offering that was pretty crucial to the company. What was happening was a lot of the stats on the, the users and customers were being pushed into Salesforce. And this could be used to see how people were actually consuming the product could be used for, Looking for upsell or to flag potential churn, very good for customer success management. A lot of those things. Um, it was used as well to trigger um, alerts to reps as to, hey, you own this lead. They're using the you know the free version of the freemium product, and they're using it a lot. So why don't you give them a call? Or hey, this. Uh, customer is coming up on their usage limit for the year, why don't you give them a call? But it really wasn't owned. And so the data quality was pretty incomprehensible to most people. I think there was one out of 10 plus reps who could really interpret what was going on. There were about 60 fields or so, and 12 of them were incorrect, 30 of them were null and just took up a huge amount of space within the Salesforce um, screen. And five were useful, but very hard to interpret. And it didn't evolve with the concept of what customers we were actually doing. So it was one uh, account within... Salesforce that was tied to one login but some customers had multiple logins so you couldn't even sum up all the different accounts for this one customer and really give them an easy view into how many you know how much they had used how much they still had left or what their bill might be or or things like that. So and you could even trigger a reverse change into the operational system that was managing, you know, the SaaS if you weren't careful, it had some bi-directional triggers. So, what would I say again instead? The concept of a data product on the data mesh that is very clear in what your what the data is, and it's set up to be something that evolves, like a data mesh data product should, and then you push that in via API or or whatever, that that data product has a specific output port designed to uh, make that ingest into the operational system very easy, but that you really treat this, again, as not a one-off pipeline, but as a full product. And that way, you can also much more easily talk with the the consumer consuming team to figure out what should be in there. I think this is one where, again, the idea behind reverse ETL is great because it meets a real need, but the execution and what it ends up being is just, it, it's pretty fraught with issues. So um, this is one that I, I think we need to discuss more in the community because it, do we have to create a data product for every potential consumer or is it okay to have something like a data pipeline that's a first order concern if we're not quite as concerned about are the consumers really needing this data? And if they aren't, then kind of why are we creating it? It's, it's something where I think I'd like to hear more people's thoughts on. Up next, more Mesh Musings. Dog fooding. If you're not aware of the story of where this phrase comes from, I would recommend not looking it up. It's kind of gross. Um, but the concept of making people consume what they're producing, that they're as much a customer of their own product is pretty widespread in a lot of different industries. And I think it makes a lot of sense. But where I'm a little concerned about it within Data Mesh is that if we're forcing domains to only consume from their data products, are they going to be designing these data products for themselves or for the general organization? I think this is a different version or a different concept than the way most people think about what dog fooding really means of consuming your own product because there's going to be very different needs within that domain, potentially for analytical data. So the pros the domains truly care about the quality, right? They're going to put out a high quality data product. High quality for them might mean something different than for the organization, but you know they're going to be bought into creating something that works and observing it, and you know all of those awesome things. Um, they're also more likely to put more data on the mesh than they likely would have talked a little bit about this concept when we think about data on the inside versus data on the outside. Data on the outside is data that you are sharing with other domains within the company and that you think could be useful to them. But if you also are the domain that has to consume from this, you might add more data that you thought was only useful to your your own domain to the data mesh. And that could have a positive impact. The cons around this uh, organizational approach, in my mind, are the data may not be structured to best share a domain's business context. It might be optimized for their own consumption, could be optimized for their own consumption in in multiple ways. One might be latency, right? They might need something that's Very low latency. And so they're focused on making that the number one concern rather than interoperability or understandability or queryability, right? Do they maybe even block certain consumption patterns that would be useful in an analytical sense, but that might be resource intensive because, again, that latency might matter or or that they want to be the one that has um, first class ability to um, kind of override for when they need the data they need to get it first. Again, that makes sense for the domains serving their own needs. Right. And so are we putting them in, in a position where they have to, um, do some unnatural things relative to what we're trying to achieve in data mesh. Um, The data that they might share might not be relevant or could be confusing. It could be in a form that is not useful, again, because they need to serve their own consumptive patterns. Um, So I think overall, it's an interesting concept. And it might force people's hands in a low trust environment which could be good. It might be a good first step to getting domains on board to actually creating high-quality data products. But I could see this one backfiring as often as it being a positive impact. So I think we need to hear more from people who have tried this or who are considering it. We need to have a deeper discussion within the community because this one is something where I think it could really, really go wrong, but it also could be a great way to get everybody kind of on board. Up next, more Mesh Musings. This last Mesh musing is one where I think it might be one of the first times that I'm starting to disagree with Jamak, at least where we are in the current evolution and, and where I'm interpreting what she's saying. Um, so where I think she is looking for things to head, and I don't know how fast, I don't know how strongly she, she's pushing for this, but that the data modeling um, starts to sit on the software engineer's plate. Is that that there is a kind of data product developer within the domain that is separate somewhat from the actual um, application developers, or is this on the application developers' plates? Again, we need to, to figure out what we're trying to accomplish and why. But I think for now, where I'm seeing this heading is pushing this onto the application developer plate. And from the conversations I've had on this podcast and um, other conversations around kind of data-centric development, uh, data-centric application development, and kind of starting with the domain model and the data model first before you start developing your application, all of these things, the general software engineering talent pool does not have enough data modeling experience, understanding capabilities to handle this right now. And I think... With all of the technology choices and all of the frameworks and doing, you know, CI, CD and DevOps and all the stuff that's going on to Kubernetes and all this fun stuff, they have too much on their plate to ask them to start to learn data modeling as well. I think if we can get to a place where we provide the abstractions to make data modeling easier. And if we if we have the tooling as well to make it easier, I could see this happening. Or again, we have kind of these data engineers that move into the domain and become more generalist software engineer than they are pure data engineer, but they're the ones leading the data modeling. I could see that being viable, but I'm I'm concerned as to how quickly we'd be able to move there, especially when I haven't seen the abstractions um, to make data modeling easier. When I talked to Jesse Paquette recently um, in in the interview that was uh, recently posted, we talked about the concept of a blueprint data model or blueprint schema even, and that giving people a place to start could be positive. So if we develop that further, that could be something as well. But for right now, I think if we're asking them to a general software engineer that's not well versed in data to do the data modeling, we're headed for a a bad place. I also think that it could mean that juniors uh, junior engineers are harder and harder to place into these teams and make them productive, right? How can a junior developer look to contribute when they have to understand full stack and data modeling? That's just so much to learn. And the senior engineers may not be able to um, really... Help them along because they also don't have the data modeling experience. So I think that then you just have a team of nothing but seniors. And then, you know, that's for me a a pretty non starter as to where this industry needs to go. So I think if we can get to a place where we have the abstractions um, to allow for easier data modeling and data testing then I think we might be able to get away from the specialist being a data product developer, you know, someone that's got that analytics engineer, data engineer experience. But for right now, I think we're at least three years off, five years off. I just don't see it happening in the near future. I'd love for people to push back on this one, especially because I think this is, you know, data mesh is people process first and figuring out how we organize team composition, where we need to hire, where we need to retrain, where we need to reassign, um, Is really important. So, the more that we can really dig into this, the more I think we'll be in a better spot to really solve a lot of the data challenges that we're seeing. Hopefully, that was a useful mesh musing for you. Please do rate and review the podcast, it really does help. And if you'd like to get in touch and see how I can be helpful to you, check out the show notes. I'm pretty easy to find. As I mentioned, there are some great free programs in addition to some very affordable things round implementer intros and roundtables on the data mesh understanding website as always if you have suggestions for guests or topics please do get in touch have a wonderful rest of your day and with that now on to the funky outro music